When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Welcome to Sustainable Success. Hope everyone's having a great week. It is hard to believe that we are already in the first week in November. Hope everyone has started off Q4 strong to finish the year strong. Again, feel free to reach out to us at Sustainable Success Coaching and Consulting. We'd be more than happy to assess what your specific goals are, both on a personal and organizational level. And if we could provide any insight or input, We'd be happy to do so and also getting ready for 2023 to be your best year ever. Reach out to us at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. If you're new to Sustainable Success, you found us here at the Voice America Influencers Channel. We highly encourage you also to listen to the show on Apple and also our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017. There we've had many of our great guests sharing their words of wisdom and insights to help you take your personal success in business to the next level. Again, we love to have your feedback. So any comments that you have, we'll make sure that we get back to you. And of course, anything specific to any of our guests, they we make sure that those are sent directly to them so that you could have your answers to your questions addressed accordingly. Feel free to check us out again at here at the Voice American Influencers channel, also on Apple and our Facebook page at Sustainable Success. 2017. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types. It has also since expanded to help athletes, professional athletes, also that were active in their alumni as they transfer into everyday uh, jobs and new businesses, an opportunity to get together and share ideas and how they can make this transition more seamless and profitable and, of course, beneficial to where they're going. Feel free to check them out. They are a membership program, and it takes all the noise out of social media, so none of those social media notifications or when you feel like that you feel like you have to be there. Again, you get to use this on your time. Perhaps you might land your next new job or your next new business opportunity. Check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. Well, we have a great show for you planned today. We're going to be talking about, do you have telecommuting psychosis? And I love this topic. And this is going to be kind of a very interesting topic. I posted this today as we were promoting uh, the show earlier this week. And we were promoting again today to make sure people are here live, which you are. And we're we're going to be talking with someone that really understands this space inside and out. And her name is Dr. Freda Wiley. And she is a medical writer, pharmaceutical consultant, and award-winning pharmacist who has written for O, the Oprah Magazine, the National Institutes of Health, WebMD, and Costco Connection, while lending her expertise to various pharmaceutical companies. She has spent the last eight years of nearly 12 years of telecommuting, exploring the effects of working from home on mental health. She covers the topic in her new book, Telecommuting Psychosis, from surviving to thriving while working in your pajama pants available on paperback and on Kindle. Well, you're going to get a chance to get your hands on that book and learn more about it here later in the show. And without further ado, we welcome Dr. Freda Wiley to the show. 
Hi, Dr. Wiley. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. We are so excited to have you and, and, and really love this topic. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about, you know, uh, you know, certain highlights from your book, which we would love to hear. And we want to make sure that you'll have an opportunity to share your book with everyone listening here today and those that will be listening on demand here later today. So when we talk about telecommuting, I mean, there's, you know, that's been somewhat going on on some level, but especially now with what we went through over the last two years here with COVID, uh, or almost two years, I guess, that, you know, it's kind of changed a lot of things. So if you could kind of shed some insight to set the foundation from your perspective into this particular area on telecommuting and what effect and impact that has on our overall psychosis. Yeah, so the thing that's interesting about telecommuting is that pre-pandemic, there was almost a dichotomy. There was a group of people who believed that people who worked from home were not really working from home, that they had the dream job, they didn't have any problems, they were dancing in La La Land. And then, of course, on the other side of the fence, you have people who are working from home and they're saying, no, this really isn't how it is. We're doing actual work and there can be some challenges with it. Now, fasting forward to the pandemic, there were many people, millions of people across the world who were thrown into a remote work environment overnight. And suddenly we saw this huge uptick and people who had a newly found appreciation for and a compassion for people who are working from home, in part because maybe they are now unexpected new telecommuters, or they have a spouse or significant other or a close family member, friend, what have you, in this environment. And so the whole premise of it is to really take a deep dive and to explore it. Uh, during the pandemic, we also saw an appreciation for of people having human moments when working from home, whereas previously you would be worried about if your boss heard you coughing or if your child happened to show up in the background. And so the whole point of me writing this book and me doing the research is that initially when I first started working from home, I also was an accidental overnight telecommuter. There were very few resources that spoke to the mental health aspect. The primary focus was really on how to be productive in the workplace. And whatever books I read, articles, even the people I talked to, if I asked any questions about, do you ever feel lonely or depressed or just not quite yourself? I always got the same response. Oh, well, you know, if you start to feel a little down, just go outside, go for a walk, you know, get a little vitamin D. And yes, that can help, but that doesn't address what happens when you go back into the house. So the whole point is to offer people support. During the pandemic, we saw an uptick also in the research that was available and being conducted on how working from home affects your mental health. And so it's really important to get the message out there because mental health is still important. Now we're seeing that there are organizations that are dialing back on the resources that are available to their remote workers as we're starting to see a great return as well. So then that leaves the hybrid workers and the people who are still fully remote and newly remote now searching for answers. Wow. This is great. And 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 now, like I said, there is more than ever. I mean, I, 
I guess I've been telecommuting now for for over 20, almost 23 years. I've been doing this since 2000. So I guess I guess I <laughs> I got used to it and I love it, by the way. But, you know, because I wouldn't have it any other way if I had to if I had to commute into either my own business. I did that for six months. I did do that about 13 years ago. I did open up an office and I thought, yeah, I'll try it. Maybe it'll get me out of the house. But I, I was so much better suited working from home. I just, you know, it, it just fit me so well. But there is, you know, again, everyone's going to be different. So is there, is the, when it comes to telecommuting, is there like a a transition, a process that you've seen overall where people go through? What is, you know, what is those experiences in terms of adapting and then ramping up or, you know, is it beneficial for certain people and not beneficial for certain people? Absolutely. So what I have seen is that initially there may be some excitement if people are thinking, oh, okay, well, now this saves me a two-hour daily commute, which is great. But then the realization sets in that, okay, I'm at home. What do I do now? Is my boss thinking I'm not working? So there's some paranoia that they may experience. But there's also an appreciation for those extra hours in the day that weren't that are no longer being afforded to telecommute or being on the road because then you can maybe you can do the laundry or you can have a little bit more time with family. So initially there's excitement, there's sometimes a little bit of anxiety or uncertainty. And then after a while, people start to find their groove. But there's still this ongoing narrative, especially for people where their personality types, to your second point, maybe they are more gregarious, outgoing people. They love to be around people and they may start to feel lonely. I had a colleague who, after I had been telecommuting, I was actually initially the only remote employee in the department for more than a year. And then when the other colleagues started to telecommute, I saw him a few years later and we both moved on to different organizations. And he told me, I'm glad I got that experience, but it just wasn't for me. And he fits that personality type that I'm talking about. He's that outgoing, a very social person, enjoys those human interactions that occur in person. And those are certain things that just, you know, cannot be replaced. Yeah. Like I said, so when when you say like, if somebody is like very... I guess extroverted and you know really thrives around people that engagement in this case not just on you know social media or virtual on Zoom or Teams and cuz again we we could touch we could be we could be in front of people in so many different ways now but actually requires that really that that in person touch that being around people they just tend to be more alive they tend to be they feel better they feel tend to you know get more done and then again, it could be the opposite for certain people. So it's not going to be one size fits all. So what would it be like? Would it, it would it be safe that that pe- more people that are extroverted or would f- fall into the category of being back into an office setting, or or could it be you know mixed and then more introverted people being more on their own working from home? What do you see? What 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 kind of shakes out to work best? It can be a mix. In general, I have found that people who are more introverted tend to thrive 
in a remote environment. That's not to say that the extroverts can't. It also depends on other factors such as your family situation. So are you a caretaker to small children or are you juggling that balance with a, a caretaker or a significant other? Are you a person who has a certain job task or some of your work duties require you to be focused? So for me, I'm a writer. I thrive in an environment that is remote. Once I figured out how to manage it, I thrive in this environment because I need the the silence. I can concentrate on my writing without the disruptions. So things like that are important to me when I'm under a deadline and I'm trying to produce something and I cannot have my thoughts interrupted. But for someone else where, you know, they are social butterflies and maybe they're in a sales position, perhaps certain types of sales positions, those personality types, sales and marketing, yes, some of them do work from home and are very successful in it, but there is oftentimes a personality type that tends to be more outgoing and extroverted that really needs the energy of that face-to-face contact. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, I as a as an executive coach, I work with a lot of people one on one and I work in groups. And, you know, if you know, the, the one of the you know more well-known personality assessments is the disc profile. And you look at, you know, people that are high eyes or mid eyes somewhere around there, they're, you know, influence is what drives them. And influence means they they tend to make a lot of decisions based upon the people that they're associated with and how they get things done. So those could be obviously people that would be more impacted if they were working from home and don't have that access to people other than just Zoom or any of the social media or any of the video platforms that they could access, Mm -hmm. which, you know, could help, but it doesn't always mean that it's the same thing if they're not in a a room of people where they tend to thrive more. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. makes sense. What would you recommend? Like, you know, if, when you're looking at telecommuting, is it, you know, I mean, it's here to stay, obviously. I mean, it's not something that, you know, have organizations said, okay, everything's back to normal. Everybody come back in. You know, there are some options, I guess, I guess companies have were able to see that some people function better you know, working from home. Some people didn't and so on. And, I guess you know we can get into a deeper dive after the break around breaking it down more. But what do you find, you know, overall, like has where you see the trends moving towards? I see the trends for telecommuting to be a mix. So I agree with you that telecommuting is definitely here to stay. There are some companies that will likely continue to remain remote that shifted to a remote model during the pandemic, especially when they see the the ROI because you don't have the overhead associated with the leasing a building and, and the expenses to maintain a building or perhaps they're selling the, the offices. And then on top of that, there's the hybrid setting. So that's also an option for people with these extroverted personality types that we've discussed earlier. But then there is that benefit depending on the role. So people who were, again, in certain sales roles. And when I was working as a pharmacist, my first pharmacy job, I was actually a hybrid worker because I was a traveling pharmacist who conducted face-to-face consultations with my patients. But because I was working in a role 
setting in a very rural area, there were limited resources or office spaces that the company had for me to work. So companies that have limited infrastructure, limited resources, such as the one I described, those are the organizations that are going to benefit and really explore the hybrid setting as well. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And so I guess hybrid is here to stay, no matter, you know, what, 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 I guess, whatever size organization it would be, if it's a small, maybe a small business, you know, middle, somewhere in the middle or a large organization, I guess it comes down to what they're doing. If you're manufacturing something, you can't, man, you can't just manufacture something from home. So there are going to be certain people that have to be (laughs) to do certain things that totally makes sense. I know we're going to be approaching a break here in about a little over a minute or so. And I, you know, I do like to do a deeper dive into what you'll be sharing here in the second segment. Anything else that you're seeing from, you know, a trend perspective or any interesting stat or facts that you would like to share from your, your, your studies and your research into this particular area? Yeah. um, One stat that I really like to share that I think needs more attention is the concept of techno stress. Because oftentimes still people think, oh, there's not that much stress with working from home. But studies show that the more days per week you work from home, people who work from home more than two and a half days per week experience a higher level of techno stress than people who work from home less than two and a half days per week, which is another reason why it makes sense that a person who is fully remote will experience more anxiety, depression, feelings of isolation, and other mental health challenges than a person who is a hybrid remote worker even. So I think that's something that's very important to keep in mind. Wow, that's great information and very important. We hope that everybody listening is taking notes. Again, you can also listen to this show uh, later here today on Voice America in its entirety. But Dr. Wiley is leaving some really good information and uh, Dr. White, I know we're going to do a deeper dive into uh, this process and, you know, kind of allowing people to really break down what can work for them, what can work for their organizations when it comes to telecommuting. We have to go to break, everybody. But when we come right back, we got with more with uh, Dr. Uh, Freda Wiley. We're going to be talking again. We're talking about do you have telecommuting psychosis? And we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome to Sustainable Success. If you're just joining us, we're talking about do you have telecommunity psychosis? We're here with Dr. Freda Wiley. And again, she had discussed a little bit about what telecommuting psychosis is. She's uh, taking a lot of this information out from her new book, which you're going to learn about here in a little bit. Uh, again, her book is come is out called Telecommuting Psychosis from Surviving to Thriving While Working in Your Pajama Pants. And you're going to learn more about how you can get your hands on that particular book here a little bit later in the show. Again, we hope that you're taking notes because this is really important in terms of uh, what we're talking about. So, Dr. Wiley, you know, you had talked a little bit about the background about what telecommuting psychosis is and some of the facts and trends that are taking place, some of the people that can benefit from telecommuting, some people that, you know, found it to be, you know, kind of hard. It, it, we, we understand the hybrid model is here to stay. All of these can impact our mental well-being in either way whether on various levels, whether if that's positive or not. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the signs of telecommuting psychosis? What would be those signs that people will pick up on, whether whatever end of the spectrum they're experiencing this psychosis? Sure. So I want to preface this with saying that telecommuting psychosis is not yet an official clinical term, but it's a term that I coined to draw attention to the situation and to also describe the level of mania that I felt that I was experiencing at the height of my own mental health challenges working from home. When it comes to signs of just the mental health struggle, telecommuting psychosis, First thing is a change in pattern, same way that it would be with a person who's depressed. So this is something that a family member or uh, someone who lives with you or knows you very well might observe. But oftentimes it starts with yourself. You start to just feel not quite yourself and observing those patterns. So one thing I do recommend is that people keep a diary or a journal and kind of track your feelings, track your activities. Are you noticing that you're you're going out less? Yes, you're working from home, but do you find yourself going for days without leaving the house? Or do you find that all of a sudden a certain activity you used to enjoy, maybe it's going to the kids' soccer game this week or this Thursday night happy hour out with the girls or whatever, is that something that all of a sudden you just stop doing it or you don't you're you're not as excited about it anymore? Do you find yourself experiencing different levels of anxiety or paranoia? Do you find yourself inventing ideas? So are you reading too much into what your boss says? Or are you internal? How are you internalizing how people communicate with you? Especially if you maybe don't have these face-to-face interactions, you don't really know the people very well or you haven't had a chance to figure out how they communicate so you know how to react or internalize and process their communication with you in a healthy, accurate way. 
So that's also something to note. And then if you keep a journal for about 30 days or so, and then you see this pattern, normally after you've done it for a few weeks, you can see a pattern and say, hey, well, wait a minute. You know what? That's true. I'm not going out as much. I'm not exercising as much. I find myself stress eating. Those are signs that you need to start doing some work. Does it mean that you seek mental health resources, uh, reach out to a counselor, find a support group, find a teleworking group? That's also a, something that's very helpful to try to be surrounded by other people, like-minded people in similar settings, so you don't have to really explain yourself. But just to have a check-in with you and validation that your feelings are not all in your head, and so you can start to move forward and do something about it. Yeah, I think that's so important. And because it's not one size fits all. Everyone's going to experience different levels of psychosis, whether if that's good or not good, you know, that type of thing. And it really comes down to the to the person and you're giving people that option, you know, to do that, you know, and something they can tap into and see where they're at. And knowing that they don't, if they, if it's, you know, negative and they're feeling frustrated or feeling not knowing, you know, how to deal with it or go about making it better, that, that they have a resource that could help them to do that. So I think that's great. What do you recommend in, in those cases? What would be some of the, you know, we, we talked about some of the signs, but what would be some of the things in terms of resources that, I guess, would be helpful in this particular area, regardless of the size of the organization? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would recommend, especially for people who are new to telecommuting, I would check with your organization first. And even as you're going through the recruitment process before you've been extended an offer, it might actually be a good idea to find out if they provide support or what kind of support they offer their remote and hybrid workers as part of their benefits package or as part of their just employee resources provided by HR. That's definitely something that's very important. And so oftentimes, well, during the pandemic, there used to be more support systems in place for that, employee resource groups, uh, different types of uh, workshops or wellness check-ins. Also seeing if you have some sort of mental health uh, counseling services that are available through your insurance. And there are also mental health organizations you can reach out to. But even before you take it as far as going to seeking therapy or some sort of counseling, um, there are support groups. Again, as I mentioned before, there are the teleworking groups, co-working groups, looking into co-working spaces, making sure that you schedule and manage your time effectively so that not only are you being productive with your work, but you're making sure that you are getting those meaningful human interactions and establishing that routine so then you don't, it doesn't become a chore, it doesn't feel like a chore, and you don't really have to think about it. And before you know it, you are feeling more engaged and more like yourself. Wow. I love it. I know for me, you know, and this is way before, you know, telecommuting because I, you know, I was at that point, I believe I was like two years before I started it, you know, because at that time was, I I decided to go on my own and I worked for myself and obviously I worked out of my home and, and, you know, never looked back. 
But I remember establishing a daily routine where I got up at a certain time and I did certain things, made my bed, I worked out uh, or did meditation, I journaled, I worked out. And then I took a, you know, a cold shower, you know, shower, healthy breakfast, read, you know, chapter two out of a book, you know, again, just a daily routine in general. Mm-hmm. Do you find that when when there's some structure in place, that can also help? And that can mean like, you know, when to do personal things, when to do work things. So having a plan, having a schedule, when to spend time with your kids, homework, that type of thing, if you're working from home and not feeling like how they 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 can kind of overlap and now you're 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 trying to do all these things at the same time. Absolutely. And that's also something that I talk about in my book. So having a schedule, everyone's different, but I have to say that for me and just for other people I've talked to who are long-time telecommuters, having a schedule is one of the most important things that you can do. Because it's so easy to fall into traps of procrastination and then, of course, not even leaving the house, which is not good for your productivity or your mental or physical health. So one of the things that I actually recommend is trying to set a schedule for yourself at least two weeks in advance. Because we all get busy. The days can fly by. And before you know it, it's the weekend or it's the the next month is out. And oh, my goodness, I haven't been to any business networkers. I haven't had a check in with my boss or I haven't I haven't done any sightseeing or maybe maybe you like to travel or do a fun family event with the kids. And two months have rolled by. And where has the time gone? So it's it's just so it's so important not only for small things routine things that are part of your daily routine such as you mentioned with your reading and your journaling and your meditation which is wonderful but also for those those big moments. Yeah. I think you know and I found that that when what you just said like it's the consistency that once I got into a rhythm like I felt I felt more, I felt my stress come down. I felt my anxiety come down. I felt like my confidence increased. Like I felt like I didn't, I, you know, for me, I, I was always being around people validated me for some reason because I was passive and aggressive, I guess, growing up just because I didn't get it from my father. And I was always seeking this out on the people. So in this case, it was unhealthy, not, not in a productive way. And it was actually quite exhausting. And, but having that time, gave me some harmony and I felt that was something that worked for me. So I was one of those people that being by myself, even working or even planning to be myself, that was actually a good thing for me because I was already good around people. The problem was, I don't think I I could be by myself, you know, because I didn't want to look at myself and, and that gave me the opportunity to do so. So in this case, it actually ended up being a blessing in disguise, (laughs) you know, then the other way around. And so I look back now and I'm, th- I'm thankful for, for that. What would you say, like, again, you know, like for this is, you know, not, it doesn't mean that's going to be the same for somebody else. It could be the you know, complete opposite. And is it just a matter of trial and error and, and, you know, giving it some time to see what works best for that individual? Yes. So I would say, first of all, I don't claim to have all the answers. 
even though I've done the research and I've been there and done that. Obviously, there are many people who have telecommuted, such as yourself, for much longer than I have. But I have spent time talking to different people, doing the research, doing the soul searching myself. And what I have found is it is a process. So for me, the goal is to give people some tools as a starting point, but you're going to find your own routine. And going back to your point earlier, you learned a lot about yourself in the process. You learned how to be content in your own space without any outside interference, right? So there is a lot of exploration in this process, but it can definitely be a good thing if you approach it from a place of curiosity and a, a place of, of appreciation for those experiences to learn more about yourself and how to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that when you document that it, it was so helpful for me to kind of track and see if I, you know, if it was working or not working, you know, and I, that was a good thing just to, you know, again, tracking to see that progress. I'm think and I, and I don't, I don't think anybody told me that it was just something I felt like I, I just did. And, and it ended up benefiting me because I was able to see where I was and where I was heading and that, you know, to see the fruits of those efforts were paying off, you know, by, by spending more time in, in finding that harmony. Anything else like you would recommend, you know, for organizations now that are, you know, maybe going to that hybrid model, you know, just because they felt like, it, you know, it's more cost effective. They, you know, doesn't mean that it's going to work for everybody. And, but, but that, you know, that these people can somewhat adapt to their situations to the best of their ability. Maybe if they, they still could come in still, you know, maybe a little bit more than they stay home, but they're still obviously, you know, have to, you know, they can't be in five days a week or something like that. What would you recommend to those organizations as some ways to kind of, you know, create more awareness or some protocol to, to help people? Well, first of all, I think it's really important to listen to the employee feedback because the other part of telecommuting as we've seen during the push towards the great return is there's also been a great walkout. <laughs> Some of that had to do with the backlash. So we know that when employees are happier and they feel more supported and listened to, you you get greater retention. You get greater productivity also because people are happier. Okay, this is a company that actually values me, a company that actually sees me. So the question, the real question becomes, what can organizations do to let their employees know that, hey, we see you, we're listening to you, we value you. And ex in exchange for your commitment to us, here is our commitment to you. How can we support you and we can make this a win-win for everyone? Yeah, I love that. And how would you recommend, I mean, depending upon the size of the organization, it's asking, obviously, is it through a, a poll? Is it through a survey? Is it personalized, you know, through just an email personalized to that, to that, those people involved and in, and then really looking at their individual feedback? So I think it's a combination of that, those things, as well as actually having some meetings. So having a, a think group, essentially, to provide insights. I think also the onus falls upon individual supervisors or the heads of department, depending on the roles. So obviously, going back to your point earlier, if there's someone working in machine manufacturing in Tesla, then it's going to be pretty hard to have that option. 
But based on the roles and based on what the business needs are, then it's important to have those, those conversations. Got it. Got it. No, I love that. It's so, so true. Well, I know we're going to be going to break here shortly. And and I, we're going to be looking forward to hearing, you know, some more great insights from your book and, you know, in, in an opportunity where we can get our hands on that. I know we have a short, uh, pretty much a minute to go to the break. Can, can Anything else that you could add or elaborate to what you talked about here in the second segment? Well, I think when it comes to supporting organizations and making sure their employees are supported as well, it's really important to make sure we are speaking from places of facts as well as sharing benefits. So sometimes the dialogue can be one-sided and it's important to make sure you're presenting from the entire spectrum so that all voices are heard and all relevant points are considered. Wow. No, it's so true. I love that. And that keeps the communication open, shows that you care and it's including rather than excluding people. So they feel they have a voice in this. So I think that's so, so important. Again, if you're uh, just joining us throughout you know, the show, again, you can listen to the show in its entirety. We're talking about, do you have telecommuting psychosis? We're here with the expert in this particular area, Dr. Freda Wiley. Again, you're going to get to find out more information about her book and where you can get your hands on that here in later on in the third segment. We have to go to break, everybody. When we come right back, we got more about do you have telecommuting psychosis? We'll be right back. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back to Sustainable Success. Our show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct, a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types. And also new now, connecting professional athletes now since retired, transitioning into everyday life. 
a way for them to get together and share new ideas on how they can make the transition from their respective sports into everyday life and everyday types of jobs and businesses. Feel free to check them out. It is a membership program and they offer a wide array of of different services that you would normally not get otherwise uh, not being a member of Alumni Direct. So find out more information by checking them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. So Dr. Freda, you had just shared so much great information about, you talked about a little bit about what telecommuting psychosis is, uh, a lot about like what goes into, you know, you know the, the different sides of the spectrum of how people experience things, kind of more on the mental side of psychosis. But I understand now there's a physical side, a physical impact that could go either way. And I think you're going to, if you can, can you share some insights of how we can better really take care of ourselves from a physical aspect when it comes to telecommuting psychosis? Absolutely. So first of all, we know that sitting down for long periods of time, aka the sedentary lifestyle, it's associated with increased risk for heart disease and uh, just higher cholesterol levels and heart attack. It also increases your risk for blood clots, believe it or not. And so it's important to take breaks. What I do, and this is an option, but if you're able to take a break maybe twice an hour or every 20 minutes, set a timer, or there are different apps that can help you and give your eyes a break at the same time too, do a, a five-minute break, maybe twice an hour or so, stand up, move around, get the blood pumping, do some jumping jacks or some stretches. That's very helpful. And that's going to lower your risk for heart disease and all these other bad actors. But the other part of the narrative is going back to what I said initially, the whole idea of going outside and taking a walk. There are benefits to that, not only because you're moving, but getting outside. We know that being out in nature or staring at a nature scene, those types of things can help decrease your stress and it can make us feel more at peace. But the other part is getting vitamin D, getting outside that natural sunlight, that fresh air. Vitamin D, lower levels of vitamin D are linked to so many conditions. We know that people who live in, for example, Scandinavian countries, they have higher incidences of not only heart disease, but mental disorders such as bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And there's a link between that and lower vitamin D levels. People who stay indoors, whether they are bedridden and live in nursing homes or different things of that nature, also have increased risks for different types of diseases such as this. So that physical component, getting outside, getting the vitamin D, ideally natural vitamin D if you can, that is just so important, not only because vitamin D is linked to so many conditions, but also because it helps with your mood. So those are things that I really encourage people to look into. And the other challenge about that is how much vitamin D is the right amount. It varies on skin color. So someone with fairer skin won't need as much time outside as someone with darker skin. And unfortunately, we don't quite know how much time outside people with more diverse skin tones need. But that's also something to review with your doctor. Have your doctor check your, your levels of vitamin D and how are they looking? And that will give you a base 
line and discuss with your doctor, what are some things I can do to get the levels up? Maybe some people need some supplements or the, the natural sunlight might be enough, but it really depends on the person, where you live, your activities, and just the amount of just different things that happen within the body too. So if you have kidney disease, it may be harder or liver disease, harder for you to make natural vitamin D from the sunlight because the kidneys and the liver are involved in that process. I think that's great what you just said and, and the vitamin D, the, the physical activity, how important, you know, I would think that, you know, I, I know what my routine, it's always consistent. I had to use discipline and then consistency to establish that foundation. Is the consistency here very important? Like you said about taking a break or two, you know, each hour, if that's, if that's applicable, that with the, with the consistency using discipline, then that consistency, you know, play an important role to make that happen. With regards to vitamin D or Uh, just to, to to the physical side that you're doing those things necessary so that obviously that physical, uh, that physical part of it, is having the 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 effects in a positive way. On, yeah, on- consistency is important, but it's also you know physical activity is not something everybody enjoys or looks forward to. So it's important to not beat yourself up, go easy on yourself, and celebrate your successes. So if maybe you weren't as active today or yesterday's you were today or vice versa. Don't punish yourself for that. Mm. Celebrate the fact that, okay, at least I I got started or I did move around and it's better than nothing and take baby steps. Sometimes it's harder to go. You can't go always easily from zero to 60 overnight. So just realize sometimes it's a process, especially when you're building a new routine or establishing a new routine. I think that's really, so take it like baby steps. Like again, don't try to do, too many things at once. Yeah, because that's also going to add to the stress and the anxiety. Oh, I, oh, no, I'm not managing myself because I have to do this, this, and this. So, yeah, keep being organized, uh, having a schedule, that's great. But realize that change takes time. Establishing a routine and sticking to it takes time. And it's kind of like crash dieting. If you all of a sudden you say, oh no, I'm not going to eat any sugar anymore. I'm not going to eat this. Then you might do okay for a few days. And then all of a sudden you just have a meltdown. And what's the first thing you go for? (laughs) The candy bar or whatever's loaded with the sugar. So it's the same concept. You don't have to deny yourself, but it's just a matter of being kind, patient, gentle with yourself and figuring out what what is easy to implement. So maybe start initially making one change per week. And then once you become comfortable with that, add on something else. And pretty soon you'll find that, okay, I've established this new way of working, this new pattern. And when you see the benefits of what you're doing too, that also is motivation. And like you said, you're you're probably more likely it's going to stick, right? Because if you try to do all of this in one shot. Most people get overwhelmed and frustrated and, you know, they end up dropping and, you know, discontinuing. And then they, you know, it's just kind of, kind of chasing their tails, so to speak, you know? So I, I could see that as a way to kind of find that, that harmony uh, that you talked about. Anything else that you could cite, you could cite from the physical aspect, anything else that maybe perhaps we you didn't, we didn't discuss yet. 
we didn't really talk about eye strain and blue light. So I can speak to that. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. So blue light is natural. And oftentimes now we've heard bad things about blue light disrupting your sleep and this, that, and the other. The blue light that comes from the sun is healthy and it's normal and it's natural. And before computers, the blue light and the changes of the sun rays and the blue light that starts in the day and then winds down and basically disappears as the sun starts to set or shortly before the sun sets, that was a signal to the body that it's time for sleep. Exposure to blue light first thing in the morning stimulates a gland in the brain called the pineal gland that releases a hormone you've probably heard of called melatonin. Melatonin is a, it's really a hormone, although sometimes it is taken as a supplement. There's also a pharmaceutical drug based on melatonin that can help to promote sleep. But if you're exposing yourself to artificial blue light all the time, well, you know, the, the cell phone is on all the time. You're watching television before you go to sleep. You've got the iPad charging. All of these blue lights, these artificial blue lights, start to confuse your brain. So if the brain sees these blue lights at nine o'clock at night, when you should be getting ready for bed or maybe already fast asleep, then the brain says, oh, well, you know what? I don't, I don't need the pineal gland to release the melatonin. So there, that affects your sleep. And then the eye screen yeah. comes from the fact that the blue light coming from our digital devices, our computers, our televisions, our laptops, our cell phones, that damages your vision. And we know that that's why the American Academy of Ophthalmology recommends that people take breaks from the computer. It's the 20 by 20 by 20 rule where every 20 minutes you stop, stare at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Mm. I love those. Like, again, I, I know a lot of these things you share, those are things I've learned and they're, they're so important. And, and especially for keeping focus, you know, uh, for me, you know, you know, not getting caught up in multitasking, working in those intervals of time to have focus so I've learned to like not check email at certain, you know, only at certain times or stay away from the TV and all that different stuff that things that can be distracting. So no, some great, great insights. I know we're getting uh, close to, you know, even though we, you know, we got a little time, you know, until we end the show, but I would love to, you know, you know, if you could share any other things either from the physical side or any of the things that you feel would be quite powerful without giving away too much because we want to make sure people get the book, buy the book and read the book. Any other things that you feel like you'd like to share from your your, your book that's out now in this area? Mm -hmm. So as you probably know, during the pandemic, when there were so many people who were new to telecommuting, the stress that remote workers, especially those who were taking care of children uh, experienced that also went up. And we found that women experienced higher levels of stress or more women reported feeling stress when it came to taking care of children uh, than men, but both groups experienced increased feelings of stress and overwhelm. So it's also important to take a look at that and I would advise or highly encourage, I should say, remote workers who are 
also parents who maybe they're taking care of children, whether or not they're still at home or they have children who were too young to attend school or maybe daycare is not an option for them to try to explore other resources. So if there's a, a group where you can kind of perhaps consider sharing some of the caretaking, maybe on certain days, this person gets the kids on another day, another person gets the kids. I have a person I interviewed for the book who actually has time. Her children are now older. So she found herself trying to schedule time to work that was outside of the house so that she could manage because otherwise she felt that she couldn't work efficiently or manage the kids well at the same time. Wow. Yeah. I think it's great. And I, you know, a lot of people can identify, especially, you know, uh, parents or even moms in this case with children. And that's always a thing that, you know, again, when you're, when you're, when you're responsible for certain people in your household during certain times when they're at home, especially during those times during COVID where everybody was home. So it made it very challenging for sure. Well, I know we're, we're getting down to the end of the show and, you know, I would love to, you know, you know, have you share some more information about your book, you know, where people can find the book, anything else that you would like to share about what you're up to, where they can find you and, and anything you'd like to share and offer uh, the audience and those listening later here today. Sure. So the book is right now available on Amazon in paperback as well as Kindle. And uh, I'm on in the process of getting it picked up in other outlets as well to make it more accessible. But for now, we've got the Kindle and we've got the paperback on Amazon. And if you're interested in reaching out to me, you can reach me at Frida at FridaWiley.com. My website is FridaWiley.com also. And I just really want to encourage people and let them know that there is hope and there is never shame in acknowledging that, hey, I don't feel well. Mental health and physical health go together. And so we need to make more progress. We've made a lot thanks to the pandemic and even celebrities bringing attention to their mental health. But People should not feel shame or stigmatized for saying that something's wrong and seeking help. So this book is really designed to serve as a resource and a starting place to help you have conversations with your employer or with your doctor. Hey, this is, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Can you help me? Don't feel like there's shame. The only shame is when you don't take steps to try to help yourself. Mm. Wow. Powerful. I love it. Well, I know we're almost at the end of the show. Any other like final comments or statement you would like to make here in the next 20 seconds as we uh, conclude our show today? I wish everyone love, peace, health, and above all, telecommuting anti-psychosis. I love it. Love it. Well, again, we hope that everybody here listening, those listening later, you get in touch with Dr. Freda Wiley, reach out to her, take advantage Get your hands on the book. This could be a great book as a Christmas gift, as Christmas will be approaching soon. And this is a great opportunity to, uh, to just do that. And also, you know, get this into the hands of people in your organization. If you're an HR professional or know somebody, this could be a really, really valuable book for people that are kind of working in that remote or hybrid 
uh, platform right now, and this could be really make a be a difference maker. So we highly encourage you to do that. So, Doctor uh, Freda Wiley, thank you so much for being here today. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's been an thank, honor. Thank you. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here, the Sustainable Success Way. We promise each and every week to bring in subject matter experts like Dr. Wiley in to kind of share from their, not only their experience, but their, just from their personal passion and dedication into these particular areas and allowing you to get to decide what it means to you. We hope that you listen to this show again later in its entirety and share it with someone that you really care about, a colleague, a peer, a boss, supervisor. Again, there's a lot of great nuggets that Dr. Wiley shared here. And again, get your hand on that book. Till then, everybody, we hope everyone enjoys the rest of your week, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.